0: 2 verses 1 through 10. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. You'll find it on the screen behind me or you can follow along if you've brought something along to follow along with. Uh, Before we read, let's pray together. Come Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts. Help us to hear your voice. Speak to us, touch us, mold us in all of the ways that we need it. Speak, for we are listening, in Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 2, 1-10 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We will go that far. So, we've been working our way through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And for me, as I read through the letter uh, to the Ephesians, uh, it seems to me that Paul has several what we might call uh, quill drop moments, because they didn't have mics back then. Like he's he's working at his desk. I don't know. And he's writing with his quill and parchment. Uh, and he's thinking to himself, Oh man, this is so good. I'm just gonna drop the quill right there. Boom, I'm done. Like and walk away from the desk, and then he has he's like comes back later, and no, I'm not done. I'm gonna keep going. But this is one of those moments where he like writes something that's so good that it's like, Oh my goodness. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this isn't from ourselves. No, 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 no. This is a gift from God. It's not through works so that no one can boast for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What is going on here? So, Uh, If if you remember, this first half of the letter to the Ephesians, uh, Paul is talking about our identity, sort of really drilling down deep. He's talking about the foundational things that make us who we are. The first three chapters, he's saying, remember who you are, remember who you are, remember who you really are. This is your true identity. There are all kinds of ways that we define our identity, right? We've talked about some of them. We define our identity by uh, our family connections. We're all sons and daughters, all of us. We're all, that's just a fact, sons and daughters. We're all sons and daughters. Some of us are mothers and fathers. We're brothers and sisters. We're aunts and uncles. We're grandparents. We're cousins. We're, so we identify ourselves by our family connections, right? We identify ourselves or we define our lives by what we do, by our occupation. We define our lives by what school we go to, by uh, what we 're studying, so there are all kinds of different ways that we we define our lives. We even define our lives by what sports teams we root for, and we wear shirts with logos on them and we 're like yeah i 'm part of that tribe, right I have a bunch of Star Wars shirts because I want everybody to know that i 'm a star wars geek yeah i 'm a part of that tribe. so all kinds of different ways that we define our lives and what Paul is saying in this first in this first part of of the letter to the Ephesians is, yeah, all that stuffs that's good, right? All of those things are good, but there are these other things. There are these other things that are deeper things, and they, they mold and shape and transform how we think about all of those other ways that we define our lives. There are, there are these other things that are foundational to who we really are. And this morning he says, you, have been saved by grace you have been saved that is who you really are so uh, we need to spend some significant time this morning talking about this idea of grace because this idea of grace is so large and so expansive that we can Hardly wrap our minds around it. In fact, I'm a little nervous this morning because I have to talk about it, and it is so large and so expansive. I can I can hardly wrap my mind around it. So, what is grace? Says it is by grace you have been saved. He says it twice to make sure we get it. It is by grace. What is grace? Well, the root word that gets translated as grace also has this other meaning of gift, right? So when you think of grace, we think gift. When you think grace, think gift, that which is freely given to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. It's not because you're good enough. It's just given to you. And the only thing with grace is are we open enough to receive it? Right? The only thing with grace is if we're open enough to receive it. Like, that's the only thing in play here. Will you receive grace? It is gift. Will you receive it? So, this is something that we're not used to. Like, this is something that in fact, sometimes makes us a wee bit uncomfortable. In fact, the world thinks of grace, that's foolishness. And Paul even says that in another letter to the Corinthians, to the church in Corinth, to the world. This, This idea of grace, it's foolishness. And this idea of grace sometimes makes us uncomfortable. Think of it this way, have you ever received an over the top, out of the blue, extraordinary gift from somebody? Have you ever, have you ever done this? Have you ever received a gift from someone and the first thoughts that go through your mind go something like this? Oh my goodness. Like, why me? I, I didn't do anything to earn this. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why in the world would someone go to that much trouble to give that to me? Have you ever, have you ever had this? Like, sometimes it's really hard. We have a hard time receiving a gift. Have you been there? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, my goodness. Why is that a thing? Like, you just received a fantastic gift. Why is this a thing in our lives that we have a hard time receiving a gift? Well, I think I might know why, at least in part, I think we have a hard time receiving gifts because we live in a world where everything has to be earned, literally everything. Energy and ambition are like prized possessions, prized qualities. Like life is a race, who's going to win? And we all love winning. We are taught from the time that we are like two years old, like this big, we are taught that life is about what we can achieve. We are taught from a very, very young age that life is all about what we can accomplish. We we even have sayings for it. Our lives are measured by how high we climbed the ladder. Like, are you climbing the ladder? Our lives are measured by what mountains we have scaled. Our lives are measured by how high our grades are. How good are you doing in school? Where are you graded? Where do you fit there? Our lives are measured by how many home runs we can hit or how much money we can make, or how much we can accumulate. And because we live in a world like that, I think much of the time we walk around in this world with this sort of gnawing sense of anxiety that we just don't measure up. Mm, It's like a, a fear that sits on the front porch of our souls, that this fear that, oh no, I might be exposed like for who I really am? Like what if, people, what if people really knew who I am? What if people knew the things that go through my head, really go through my head? What, what if people began to see me for who I really am? They certainly wouldn't be giving me this gift. You know what? Grace? Grace? It meets you in that place. That's where grace meets you. Grace meets you in that place where you're terrified of being found out. Grace meets you in all of the places where you're terrified. If people knew that, oh my goodness. Grace then frees us from all of the things that we aren't, Nope, I'm not the smartest. Nope, I'm not the most disciplined. Nope, other people have worked a lot harder than me. Nope, I haven't really done much with my life. Grace meets you in that place and it wraps its arms around you and it says to you, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's, it's okay, it's okay. Dallas Willard says in his uh, book, The Divine Conspiracy, this, the poor in spirit, he's talking about when Jesus is talking about the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, you can read those later if you want, he says this, the poor in spirit are called blessed by Jesus not because they are in a meritorious condition, but because precisely in spite of and in the midst of their ever so deplorable condition, the rule of the heavens has moved redemptively upon and through them by the grace of Christ. Oh, come on. If I could write like that, I'd be writing all kinds of books. The poor in spirit are called blessed by Jesus, not because they're in a meritorious condition, but because precisely in spite of and in the midst of their ever so deplorable condition, the rule of the heavens has moved redemptively upon and through them by the grace of Christ. You see, when Jesus says something like this, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's not saying blessed are all the people who know how much they need God. He's not saying, blessed are all the humble people, right? Because I have the gift of humility. I am humble. He's not, no, 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 he's not saying that, right? Because if that's what he was saying, blessed are all those kind of people, then Jesus just blesses all the people who have it all together, He's blessing all the humble people he's blessing all the the righteous people he's blessing all the people who just get it right but that's not gospel that's not what we call good news no that isn't there's nothing new there that's just the way the world works right we all know that the smartest people make the most money and the most talented people always win Right? That's not what we call gospel. That's not what we call good news. The gospel, what Jesus is really up to in this world, subverts that whole system. It's all upside down. Jesus doesn't announce that the people, the people who got it right, they're the ones who are blessed. He meets people who are deeply aware of how they don't have it all together, who know how badly they make a mess of things. The gospel, the good news, is God meeting us in that place. That is what grace is. And when grace meets us there, do you know what it does? It frees us from all of the ways in which we don't measure up. Frees us from all of the things that we aren't. It frees us from all of the the bad things that we think about ourselves. It frees us. It lets us go, it lets it go. It's like that rap battle that Eminem finds himself in in the Eight Mile, in Eight Mile movie. Have you seen this movie? (laughs) Yes. It's the the final epic rap battle in Eight Mile. I was gonna show it to you, but you can't show that in church. (laughs) Like it's chock full of bombs, right? So if you want to later on, you can find that You can find it on YouTube and watch it when little eyes and little ears aren't all around and you'll get a fuller expression. Do you know what a rap battle is? A rap battle is two, usually dudes, standing on stage and there's a battle, right? And so the object of a rap battle is to totally and completely shred your opponent, Like you verbally assault them and pummel them. You pick out the worst things about them, all their faults, all their mistakes, and you make fun of them in the worst way possible. And you make it all rhyme and you spit it out as fast as you can. And whoever does that the best, shreds their opponent the best, wins the rap battle. Well, in this final rap battle, Eminem goes first and he doesn't shred his opponent. He flips the script, you know what he does? He owns all of the perceived worst things about himself. He just owns it. He's like, yeah, you're right, I'm white. You're right, I'm poor. You're right, I live in a trailer park. You're right, my friends are idiots. You're right about my mom, you're right. And he owns it all. And when he owns it all, all, all of it loses its power. He tosses the mic when he's done to the guy who's gonna battle him next. And he says, now, pe- now tell people something they, are, they don't already know about me. And he gets the mic and he's like, I got, I got nothing. He's now free from all of that stuff. It's free. He's free from it. He had nothing to say. He's free. That right there is what grace does. It allows us to own those parts of ourselves. See, we all have this other side of ourselves that if, other people knew about it, we would be completely embarrassed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, some people call this our shadow selves or our shadow lives. Grace, grace allows us to own it, to own our shadow. Because when we own it and when we get it out there, you know what happens to it? It now loses its power over us. It frees us. It liberates us. Think about those parts of yourselves, your shadow self. Grace meets you there and says, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. For it is by grace you have been saved. So there's this wonderful idea about grace that it's like, it's this big, beautiful amazing embrace of even the worst parts of ourselves and it says you're okay so there's that side of grace which is so good but then there's this other side of grace that it almost has an edge to it right because it also calls us to live into who we really are it's like it's like the story that Jesus the story about Jesus where he meets this woman who's been caught in adultery and all the religious elite uh, sort of are about to stone her to death for her, for her transgressions. And Jesus says, you know, he who is without, the first, without sin cast the first stone, right? And people are like, oh my goodness. And they drop their stones. And they walk away and we love stories like that because it's like grace here's this woman who's caught in adultery and she's now freed from it. it's out in the open oh we love that but then there's this other there's this edge here because jesus says now go and sin no more so there's this call to live into something bigger and greater and grander and more beautiful for your life and so Paul then goes on, you have been saved by grace. This is not from yourselves so that no one can boast. No, no, no. This is a gift, a pure gift from God. And then he says, we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Oh, I love this because Behind this idea of workmanship is this, is, is this idea of artwork, of a masterpiece. And I've talked about this before with you. There's this idea of, of we are God's artwork. We are God's masterpieces. Think about the, the, the time and energy and attention to detail that it takes an artist to create a masterpiece. Now think of the time and creative attention to detail that it, that it took God to create the person that is you. You are are God's masterpiece. You were created out of the pure joy of the artist that is God and your value to God is absolutely immeasurable. Your value to God is immeasurable. Have you heard of the artist Banksy? Anyone? Heard of Banksy? Banksy is a world-famous artist and uh, he uh, started out as a graffiti artist on the streets of London, and his work is sort of subversive, and he gets pretty political sometimes all the time. And uh, he's a really interesting guy, and his, 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 uh, um, he's a really interesting guy because no one knows who he is. No one knows his true identity. Right? He's this world-famous idea, or he's a world-famous artist, and nobody knows who he is. Now, just this last week, one of his pieces of art, a painting, uh, was sold uh, at auction at Sotheby's in London, right? For $1.4 million. Oh my goodness. Did you hear about what happened next? Okay, some of you are like, yeah, we heard about this. Let's watch the video and, uh, and let's see what happens next. So it gets sold. He shredded it. He built a shredder into the frame and the second it was sold, somebody there had a remote control and they pushed a button and the bottom half of it went through a shredder. Who does this? Banksy does this. Why would he do? such a crazy thing. He didn't tell anybody why he did it. He hasn't said a word about it. He just lets our minds try to figure it out. Well, I think I, have, I think I have an idea what his point is, right? You can't just put a price tag on a piece of art. You can't put a price, you can't put a value on a piece of art. That's not what art is for. Like once you put a price tag on a piece of art, you immediately devalue the thing, right? Because that's not what art is for. A piece of art is created out of the pure joy of the artist. And then it's given to the world just to be enjoyed. And so the moment you put a price tag on a piece of art, it is immediately devalued because its real value is immeasurable. You cannot put a price tag on a piece of art. You cannot do it. Its value is absolutely immeasurable. So he's saying if you're going to shred, if you're going to buy the thing and put value on it, I'm going to shred it. Because you cannot put a price tag. You cannot. It is invaluable. Its value is immeasurable. Friends, you are God's masterpiece. You are God's piece of art. Think about the time and attention to detail it took for God to create the person that is you. Your value to God is absolutely, completely immeasurable. It is off the charts. You have been saved by grace. You are God's masterpiece. And then he goes on. He drills even deeper into this idea. He goes on and he says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. What? Wait a second. Did you hear what he said? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God created in advance for us to do. In other words, even the good works that we've been created to do have been prepared in advance by God for us to do, thereby making even those good works a gift from God. It's just another gift. It's just more grace. All of it's grace. The whole thing is grace. I told you, this idea of grace is so big and so expansive that our brains can hardly take it in. Even the good works that we've been, that we've been created to do have been gifted to us, graced to us by the creator of the universe. Here's what Paul is doing. He's riffing off of this old, old story about the creation of the universe that you can find in Genesis 1. One, he's just sort of playing around with it, riffing off of it about God the artist creating the universe. Now, I'm not going to explain this to you because I'm not going to do it very well. Instead, I'm going to let Eugene Peterson explain it to you through sort of a a creative piece of writing replicating the creation of the universe that we find in Genesis chapter one, and it's, it's pretty close to poetic. In fact, it is. It's beautiful. Listen to what he says. God makes light, what a gift, God's work, God's gift, we can see what's going on, God makes sky, sheer gift, God's work, God's gift, space and spaciousness, everything visible stretching to invisibility. God makes earth and sea, plants and trees. Sheer gift, God's work, God's gift. God makes sun and moon and stars, marking seasons and days and years. Sheer gift, God's work, God's gift. Time to look around and see the sights, sunrise and sunset. God makes fish and birds, sea and sky resplendent with life. Sheer gift, God's work. God's gift. God makes animals, domestic and wild, sheer gift. God's work, God's gift. Life, profuse in form and color, life, dancing. God makes man and woman, sheer gift. God's work, God's gift. Wherever you look, wherever you go, man and woman. But on this sixth day of work, there is something different. Each man and woman is not only an instance of God's workmanship, but is capable in participating in God's work, working in God's workplace and continuing God's work, continuing the gift-making. Oh, you are God's gift to the world. Like normally when we say that, like like we don't mean it in a very nice way. Well, he thinks he's God's gift. I'm telling you, you are. You. Just as you are. You. You are God's gift. To the world. You get to continue in this gift making, gift giving process that began long ago when God said, Let there be light. You now get to participate in that. You now get to participate in this life of grace wherever you are, whenever you are there. The only question is will you lean into that? Will you receive the grace that God gives to you so you can own all of that stuff, so that you can be freed from it and come to the understanding that, oh my goodness, my value to God is immeasurable. And not only that, but you are a gift to the world. You get to continue in on the gift-making The gift giving, this life of grace. I'm here to tell you, it's all grace. All of it. All of it started with grace. Grace continues and grace will continue on forever. We get to participate in that. You have been saved by grace through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is a gift. Oh, it is a tremendous gift of God It's not by works so that no one can boast. For we, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Um, Right now, there there are many of us here in, in this room who are in need of your grace. Because we do walk around with this gnawing sense of anxiety that we haven't done enough, we haven't achieved enough, we're not the smartest, we haven't worked hard enough, we don't make enough, we just don't measure up. God, meet us in that place. Embrace us with your loving grace, your loving presence. Transform us into people who see us not how we see ourselves or not how other people see us, but how you see us. Your masterpiece, created out of a sense of joy and then just offered to the world to participate in offering your grace to everybody around us. Teach us to choose that kind of life, oh God. Transform us, make us new by your grace. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. May the grace of Jesus, the love of the Father, and the power and the presence of the Spirit go with us all now and every single moment of every single day go in peace.